The collegiate baseball season is here. Forget Valentine's Day. It's all about the baseball and the baseball diamond. I'm going to talk all things college baseball in the Big Ten, and I'm going to do so right now, right here on the Long Ball with Andrew Brown. From college to the pros, America's pastime in full force, 24-7 on the Long Ball with Andrew Brown. That's right, everybody. Welcome one, welcome all. You are listening to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown. I am Andrew Brown, and I am oh so excited to be here for episode numero eight. Glad that you could join me. I will apologize in advance for the length of time between episodes. Trust me, folks, it won't happen again. First and foremost, though, if you have not been familiarized with this show, it is a show primarily revolving around collegiate and professional baseball, although from time to time I will dip outside of baseball for other interesting sports topics. Right now, though, we're going to continue on with baseball for our episode number eight. Once again, brought to you by Tree Pans and Insulites. I would also like to refer you guys back to episode number seven as I talked with Dan McDonald, head coach of the University of Louisville baseball team. We talked about the changes in collegiate baseball recruiting, the state of collegiate baseball, and what the cards will look like here in the 2019 season. So please check that out. I know you'll like it, and I'm sure you'll see a lot of great insightful information. As for this episode, everybody, again, episode number eight, we're going to continue to dive into collegiate baseball, and I'm going to say that I'm a fan of big dates, D-A-T-E-S. Now, I think you know where I'm going to go with this, but just in case, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day. I know that was the last big holiday, but for me, no, 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 it was the day after. On February 15th of this year, the collegiate baseball season for 2019 began. Hundreds of teams making their hopeful push to Omaha, and that includes the Iowa Hawkeye baseball team, which went 2-1 in their first stint of the season in Florida as they took on the Diamond 9 Classic, losing to Mason City, but winning against Pittsburgh and Marshall. And uh, nonetheless, again, we continue on with collegiate baseball, and we're going to do so talking with Nick Folaris, newest member for D1Baseball.com, as him and I talk about the Midwest, more specifically Big Ten baseball, Baseball, and as you just heard, Hawkeye baseball. We've been talking about all that coming up right here on the show. But first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, there's a new segment that I would like to introduce to you. And uh, I'm going to be frank with you guys. I'm going to be a little selfish here. I always like to get my thoughts and my word in there. Of course, I love talking to industry experts like head coach Dan McDonald, scouting aficionado and analytics guru Chris Weichel, formerly of the College Baseball Scouting Network, and of course, a whole host of others. But from time to time, I like to throw my word into the mix, and that's where we're going with my newest segment, What's the Word? What's the Word? Here we go. Here come the benches. That's got to be wrong. Here we go. It's time for What's the Word? What's the Word? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, this is What's the Word segment, where I take a single phrase or a single word, and I put my spin on it, and that's how I will start off every show from here on out. And without further ado, everybody, let's get this inaugural segment underway with the first word.
New year, new look Hawkeyes. Now, every season, every college sports team has to deal with the loss of seniors and just simply talent that is leaving for the professional ranks. Iowa certainly had that last year with the loss of two big key hitters in Tyler Cropley, one of the nation's more consistent hitters, and Robert Newstrom, who is now a member of the Baltimore Orioles in the major leagues. Also, you lose out on one of the Big Ten's most premier pitching talent in Nick Allgaier. He is gone, leaving a lot of void, and that includes the loss of 11 letter winners total from the year prior. Now, in their 129th season as a baseball program, you know, I got to say, I don't know if there's ever been any more hype and promise to a season than the 2019 edition. That largely stems from the fact that you have none other than Rick Heller, six-year head coach for the University of Iowa, in his first four seasons took the Hawkeyes to two NCAA tournament appearances, including a regional final back in 2015, and of course a Houston regional back in 2017. But he faces an interesting thing. Not only the loss of the individuals I spoke about, but the loss of some very high coaching talent. Former hitting coach Joe Migliaccio and pitching coach Desi Drusel both have departed from the Hawkeyes and are now members of the Yankees organization in minor league roles. Well-deserving for sure, great minds of the modern-day game of baseball analytically, but that leaves you with some big glaring holes. Nonetheless, though, the Hawkeyes did manage to find some very, very key pieces to put into those coaching spots. And uh, although you can never replace the individuals beforehand, you can certainly match them, and that's what they've done. They have pitching coach Tom Gorzolani and hitting coach Robin Lund. I got to say, just looking at Gorzolani's resume, he is the guy for the pitching duties for sure. He's a 12-year MLB vet, played for five different teams. He's posted 50 wins in his major league career. Him and Lund have come into this program with high hopes, and certainly it seems as though everybody on this Hawkeye team, from managers to players and other coaches alike, have really accepted these coaches and really adhere to what they have to say, which was highlighted by Friday night senior pitching star Cole McDonald. Having Tom here definitely brings a sense of uh, confidence. Um, he knows how to like meet hitters. They're just these subtle things that we would never think about that he can add on, and then it just just helps having him here. He's a he's a nice positive guy. Uh, he, he demands to have a good work ethic, come and improve each day, and it's no different than Desi. Um, but there's just a little, just a sense that he has that you might not get obviously with other guys. Guys have bought in right away. Um, both coaches did a great job of getting guys to improve right before. And the new guys, they, new guys that we have, Coach Lon and uh, Gorzolani, uh, they bring different mentalities, different mm-hmm. different knowledge to the game, which are going to only help us improve. And so Desi and our co- uh, Coach Miggs, uh, they definitely put us in a position to have success. Yeah. And then now I feel like for most guys, they've, always, they've already experienced having new coaches, so it really doesn't change much what they mm-hmm. do. We already know the process that we need to do on a daily basis and now it's just kind of doing the same thing with new coaches and then just taking into consideration any improvements or suggestions uh, they give our, from themselves. That was Cole McDonald, the senior Friday night ace for the Iowa Hawkeye baseball team on media day earlier this month. Of course, other additions other than the coaching staff include some big time players. 
Isaiah Fullard, a junior college transfer and a North Liberty, Iowa native, was first team NGCAA Division II All-American, hitting 470 with an NGCAA leading 102 hits last year. Slugging at 642 with a clip of 76 runs driven in, this guy knows how to produce offense and it is very transferable into the D1 level. You also have other... Now, Iowa this year is going to be one that is made up a lot of junior college transfers. Another one of those would be Tanner Padgett. He's a redshirt sophomore, a guy that can rake for sure. He was an All-East Jayhawk Conference selection and an All-Region 5 honoree as just a freshman. He received a medical redshirt as a sophomore, but he, is st- but he was a still a team captain as he hit 382 with 16 home runs, 14 doubles, and 61 RBIs. This is a guy who's shown what it takes, and that was all the way... And that, by the way, was all done in 2017. He just added to that as until his injury in his sophomore season. That positivity extends to the pitching side of things. And one player to note especially, a guy they brought in from Southeastern Community College. His name is Trace Hoffman, a junior right-hander who can throw, and he has been known for his pitching ability. Last year, he led the JUCO ranks with 13 saves as just a sophomore. Frankly, he knows how to get the outs. He knows where to position that ball. He has great spin rate, great control of his pitches, and that's why he'll be an excellent addition to wherever he ends up in the bullpen. But right now, it's looking like he may be the tried-and-true closer for the Hawkeyes moving forward. So ultimately, a lot of optimism, a lot of great individuals on this roster, many more that I could dive into, and I will further on in later episodes. But for right now, lots of positivity and a lot of good things coming for this Hawkeye group. And oh, by the way, that was your word. What's the word? Here we go. Here come the benches. That's got to be wrong. Here we go, ladies. It's time for What's the Word? What's the word? All right, ladies and gentlemen, now we will move on to our main event. As I spoke about earlier, I have joining me now on the show, the one, the only Nick Falaris, newest member to D1Baseball.com and always and always an aficionado with baseball in general, as he also writes for 2080 Ball. Check that, out, check that out on Twitter at 2080ball and, of course, at d1baseball.com. Nick, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate it because I know you're, you've just got done with all the preview articles. Now you're getting into the first few games of the season for all the collegiate teams. So ultimately, thank you so very much for joining the show. You know, Nick, I've been a very big fan of yours and what you do over there at 2080 Baseball along with Burt Granger. Very insightful information. And it seems you, you take just a, another step, an extra additional step, and a level above everybody else. And what I enjoy even more now is that you've signed on to be one of the newest writers for D1Baseball.com. That's D1Baseball.com, my favorite collegiate baseball site. And I, for one, couldn't be happier. First off, take me through what that's like for you, what that journey has been like for you, and what were your initial reactions when you got the call and they wanted you to be on D1Baseball.com? 
Oh, it was great. So Bert, Bert Granger, who I've worked with at, at 2080baseball.com, um, he and I are both located in the Midwest. I'm in Wisconsin. Burke is in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and, you know, the, the good folks over at D1Baseball.com, uh, primarily Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt, who I've known for, for several years now, uh, you know, they made it known that they were looking to expand into uh, a little bit more coverage in the Midwest and up north with those conferences. Uh, you know, we had a, a pre-existing rela- relationship with those guys before, so we just kind of sat down and said, hey, is this something that uh, – that makes sense for us to kind of get together and work on this, and and it did pretty quickly. We were all all really excited to get a chance to work together. So uh, yeah, Burke and I are uh, doing preview pieces right now for a bunch of the the conferences located kind of in the north and the midwest of the country, and then uh, we'll have in season coverage as well. And once again, everybody, Nick Falaris, the newest member to D1Baseball.com, also co-contributor to 2080 Baseball. Now, Nick, I referenced earlier all the preview articles that you were doing, and I want to kind of touch on those here a little bit as we're still very early into the season. Take me through what that process is like. What what do you have to do for that? Because I'm guessing a lot of travel, a lot of interviews, and just a lot of fact-finding. Kind of take us through your journey and your process. Sure. So, um a couple different things uh, we get you know feedback kind of feed, preseason feedback from from the coaches uh, with all the various programs in, in our coverage area uh, that we lean on that pretty heavily um, Kendall and Aaron in particular were out for fall practices at a, at a bunch of uh, different schools particularly in the uh, Big Ten so spoke to them about what they saw there Burke and I uh, in our other in our other mediums where we, we cover sort of amateur baseball we're a little more we're focused on a higher level where it's more um, MLB draft centric so it, it's more big game hunting there uh, in order to do these previews we had to dig down a little bit deeper um, you know and, and maybe pay attention to and get information on uh, underclassmen that maybe aren't relevant for the major league draft for another year or two but who will certainly be relevant to how these programs do during the spring and and uh you know big potentially big contributors for teams competing for conference titles and uh you know postseason play so that's been a nice change of pace for us you know as opposed to solely looking at what are these players going to look like five years from now in in the the big leagues we can sit down and say hey how are these guys going to play this spring how 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 is this team going to come together um you know what are the weaknesses What, what do we think could be a surprise for us what could uh um, you know, what should fans know? What should uh, people be keeping their eye on as we get ready for? Geez, we're within uh, almost two weeks now of, of the season starting. So, um, yeah, all of it has been been a lot of fun for us. And there is travel involved. There'll be more travel involved this spring. We didn't really sign on with D1 until kind of mid-January. So we've been ramping up pretty quickly as far as uh, our coverage right now. But, uh, yeah, we'll, have, we'll be working on both the travel around in season and, and doing the summer ball thing, going out to the Cape, doing the Northwoods League, all that stuff. Once again, everybody, Nick Falaris of 2080 Baseball and newest member to D1Baseball.com joining the show. Now, Nick, I want to talk Midwest baseball here, and I want to reference back to another one of the preview articles you have you had, had regarding the Big Ten. As Of course, we are in, in Big Ten country. Uh, we're right here in the, in the heart of Iowa. 
And I wanted to talk on the biggest of your preview articles and, and more specifically talk about your three projected regional teams. Now, I know it's still early on yet and a lot of things could change, but you had Minnesota, Michigan, and Indiana. Those three teams had some of the most promise last year for sure, including the Boilermakers from Purdue. But of course, Nick, as you know, every season has its fair share of unique challenges. And so I, I wanted to, if you could, just take us through into the war room and what that was like there. What were your deciding factors when you chose these three teams to be your projected regional teams for Big Ten? So Michigan is, uh, is, as of right now, is the sole top 25 team, um, you know, nationally ranked that we have in the Big Ten. Uh, they're, they're the deepest team. They probably have the most overall impact potential um, based on sort of uh, upper-class talent and then the really impressive collection of freshmen and sophomores. They're sort of the... I, I guess the prohibited favorite right now, but the gap isn't isn't that great. Certainly between Michigan and Minnesota, Minnesota obviously um, defending conference champs. They're returning a, a bunch of great pitching. They're returning some really interesting bats. Um, I think that there's a good chance that this Minnesota club is a ranked team before too long into the season. Uh, they they have. Uh, so the, the big thing for them, they're opening up the season. Uh, they're obviously on the road, as most Big Ten teams do. They, they have some challenging series. They're playing, you know, Arizona, Oregon State, uh, Gonzaga, New Mexico. Um, they've got away series at, at Dallas Baptist and NC State. It's going to be um, really interesting to see how this team performs. If they if they come out this spring and, and don't miss a step, they're going to jump up rankings quickly. They're going to. And sort of reassert themselves as being a national force. And they're one of my favorite teams to kind of watch to make a, a deeper run in June. The team's really put together well, and that staff's going to carry them. Um, and then, yeah, I don't want to just kind of ramble on here. Real quickly, Indiana, um, good balanced team, really like the offense, and uh, a couple weekend starters that I think are going to be able to match up well with everyone in the league, including uh, – you know, Minnesota and Michigan are kind of the two top dogs. The only thing I would add is um, Illinois just barely missed um, sort of making our our um, our guess as to who is going to make regionals. I think that's a team with really good underclass talent. They didn't lose a ton. Spillane's obviously a huge loss. But I think their offense is going to be okay. And I think that's a team that could really come out and surprise some folks. That could give uh, the Big Ten four regional teams potentially. Once again, everybody, you're listening to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown. And joining me talking collegiate baseball is the one and only Nick Falaris of 2080 Baseball and D1Baseball.com. Again, glad to have you on, Nick. And, of course, I am sitting here from downtown Des Moines broadcasting this episode. And with that, of course, being in the likes of Iowa Hawkeye country, I've got to ask you about the Hawkeyes here. You had some great, insightful information, really topics concerning the Hawkeyes. They did lose their two power bats, as I mentioned in my beginning there, with Cropley and Newstrom. And, of course, uh, big pitching talent in Nick Allgaier as well. So certainly a lot of retooling they've had to do. And you, you emphasized that as well, but also brought forth options 
options that they can definitely use, one of which Cole McDonald, a big time and will look to be the primetime starter for the Hawkeyes moving forward. And of course, there are many other options here, but that's where I'm going to ask you, Nick. Looking at the Hawkeyes and all the additions and some of the subtractions that they have made to this ball club, do you feel like this is the kind of team that can make not only a push into the top 25, but can really do some damage on the national and Big Ten scenes this year? Yeah, they're, they're one of the more interesting clubs. I, you know, they were, specific, they were one of the teams that I broke down myself in detail. Um, I, I handled most of the teams kind of towards the west of the, the conference, and Burke being Columbus-based, handled most of the teams in the east as far as the primary duties there. Um, yeah, I mean, you touched on, on, on the big names so far. I think, for me, what I'm really interested in seeing on the offensive side, a couple of, of, of JUCO transfers, Fullard and Padgett, um, you know, Fullard was a uh, was an All American, JUCO All American. He had an insane flash line, and, and some of these you have to take with a grain of salt when you're talking about junior college because the competition can be up and down. But Kirkwood, a very good program, he flashed 475, 20, 642 there last year. Uh, or I'm sorry, two years ago, last year I think he was medical redshirted. A lot of thump in the bat. Um, and uh, he's got a chance to be in the, you know, a force in the middle of the lineup. Um, Paget, I'm sorry, Paget is the one who, who, who was medical redshirt last year. Big power guy. I think he's got a chance to step in and help kind of fill that hole that Newstrom and uh, and Cropley left as far as you know extra base production. Really, once once you have those runners on base, who's going to drive them in? Who's going to help kind of bust open that big inning? Both of those guys, Fullard and Paget, I think have an opportunity to step in and kind of help. Iowa find that rhythm. It might take them a little bit of time early in the season to sort of come together as a team. They're, they they replaced uh, they, they have some uh, newcomers uh, and new contributors on the pitching side as well. So it might take them a little bit of time to kind of find their footing. But this is one of those teams where I think regardless of how the first month goes, the first six weeks go, um, by the time you know, the end of April, May rolls around, they could be a really dangerous team and, and a, a team that you'd rather get off, I think, uh, get off your schedule earlier in the year than later in the year because this could be a, a really stout team by the time May rolls around. Once again, everybody, you're listening to the Long Ball Show with Andrew Brown and my special guest for today, none other than D1Baseball.com's very own Nick Folaris, also part of 2080 Baseball. Check check him out at both locations. Great work. Uh, now, as we continue on, let's talk more about the Hawkeyes here, Nick, and more specifically in that pitching rotation. For me, I saw the pitching as an up-and-down kind of scenario last year. You had guys like Nick Allgaier at the front of the rotation, and you had Coach Desi Druschel to help spur that on, both of whom are gone now, so a little bit of influx. But yet at the same time, it really seems as though this pitching staff is anchored down pretty much, and that is highlighted by an individual we already talked about with Cole McDonald. As we go even further here, an individual I really like and you talked about is sophomore Jack Dreyer. Really fantastic to watch him this past summer. An, an individual who was named the 11th best freshman according to D1Baseball.com through, I believe, 18 innings, had 24 strikeouts, a fantastic rate there. And he really highlighted what will be an exceptional list for this year's staff. So I wanted to get your overall thoughts here, Nick. How much of an impact should we be able to see or should we be seeing from this 2019 roster, and how much will that help the Hawkeyes moving forward as a team? Yeah, so the, uh, 
think that's interesting. Um, they don't have sort of that blow-you-away high-velocity rotation that you get with someone like Minnesota. But it is a rotation um, with some returning players who have demonstrated an ability to miss bats. And that's a huge deal in the college game, the, the, being able to go out there, uh, miss bats, get strikeouts when you need them. It, you know, it helps you work out of danger, helps you limit kind of big innings. For a team like Iowa, that's going to be a huge deal. So having that stability in the rotation, I think, is is big. You know, there's a lot more. I think I think Iowa is probably more set with their Friday and Saturday starter than they are su- with, with their Sunday starter. Um, I think Judkins and Bauman could both uh, be competing for that spot. From what I understand, neither kind of has locked that down yet, but both are in play. And whoever doesn't get that at the beginning of the year is still going to be expected to throw kind of important innings, um, either out of the pen or maybe on um, some of those early season, uh, more competitive midweek games. Uh, the pen will be will be a big deal, you know, they, if they can lock down the, the late innings there. Um, they've got Leonard, uh, Grant Leonard, who again, you know, missed uh, over over a bat per inning, or over a batter per inning, struck out more than a batter per inning, which is which is great. He's most likely to slot into that closer role. You got Prost. Um, another big strikeout guy, uh, kind of backing him up in, in locking down those later innings and, and hopefully keeping the, high, uh, the Hawkeyes uh, in games when it's close and, you know, locking down the wins when, when you're ahead. And that becomes even more important. You know, obviously the Friday night game is a big game, Saturday night's a big game, but it's also important to be able to not let games slip away from you. And that in college ball, that's when that bullpen really becomes important. You've uh, you know logged innings for the first two games of the weekend series and maybe jump out to an early lead on Sunday. You've got to have you got to have confidence in your bullpen. They're going to be able to kind of lock that down in innings seven through nine so you don't let sort of the games that you need to win slip away. If Iowa can do that, if they can get just good, solid performance from their pitching and uh, the bats to, to step up a little bit to fill in for the holes that they lost last year, it could be a very competitive team. But, uh, you know, we'll see. There are a lot of question marks, but uh, definitely, you know, one of, one of the more interesting teams to write up in the preview, and they're going to be a really fun team to watch in the season. And once again, everybody, you're listening to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown talking collegiate baseball with none other than Nick Falaris of 2080 Baseball and D1Baseball.com. We're talking a lot of things baseball as we got done talking a little bit about the Iowa Hawkeyes. But now I want to take us back to the broader spectrum here, Nick, as we wrap up some questioning. Every conference will have a dark horse every season. Certainly, some could argue that Purdue was a little bit of that dark horse last year, although Nebraska was also deemed a little bit of a dark horse, as we have seen them ebb and flow over the last few years. They were the last uh, big dominant Big Ten team to make it to Omaha. So I wanted to get your take on who would your dark horse be? Who's that team this year that you think could have the biggest impact out of nowhere within the Big Ten Conference? Gee, it's a good question. Um, I think, you know, Iowa is probably too, uh, too, their footing is too solid to call them really a dark horse team. If I was going to reach down to kind of our third tier here, I would go to Nebraska, who is getting a bunch of guys back um, off injury. Uh, they have Juco transfers coming in, and they've got a, a bunch of really talented uh talented freshman on that club, including the guy who we, we kind of pegged, Burke and I pegged as the 
the favorite to be to get freshman of the year honors. That's Spencer Schwellenbach, who's uh, who should be a third base on this year. He might uh, transition over to shortstop eventually. Chance to be, kind of come in on day one and be you know a, a really impactful bat and uh, you know one of the better hitters in the Big Ten. So I, I think Coach Ursad has assembled a really interesting team there. That that was a tough one for us to peg at you know. We, we talked a little bit about pushing them down our projected standings because they do have so many question marks. And then we looked at the overall talent, um, how the club looked during fall ball. And I, I think this is one of those teams that we could, we could see make a big turnaround. They were 8-14 and 14 in the Big Ten last year. They had a losing record overall. They were 24-28. and 28. You know, We could see them kind of, kind of flip those numbers and uh, be a really competitive club if things come together right there. I think that they would probably be the – the uh, the club I think that has the, the best opportunity to kind of come from a projected bottom half of the standings finish to being a uh, you know a competitor in the tournament. Well, one thing above all else is for certain. It's going to be a very exciting 2019 season, not just for the Big Ten Conference, but for all of collegiate baseball as well, as we start to see more and more reoccurring regional and super regional teams like Stenson University, for one. The Hatters have been a reoccurring theme over the last few years, and uh, last year they were a... I believe a number one seed, one of the number one seeds anyway. So again, overall, very exciting 2019 season ahead for collegiate baseball. And Nick, thank you so very much for joining us. Again, everybody, check out Nick J. Falaris on Twitter, on D1 Baseball, and on 2080 Baseball as well. Nick, I want to say again, thank you so very much, man, for taking the time and talking some college baseball with me. I had a blast, as I'm sure you had a blast as well. And really, I look forward to the next time we get to do this conversation over again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to uh, the next time. And once again, everybody, you've been listening to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown. My special guest for today has been Nick Falaris, newest member to the D1Baseball.com site. He also writes for 2080 Baseball, a great collegiate and amateur baseball mind. With that, I'm about to sign off, everybody. Again, check out The Long Ball Show on the Anchor Podcast app as well as iTunes. I'll also have it for you on the show's official Twitter page, at the Long Ball one And, of course, you can catch all my stories that I write as well as the episodes on all of those platforms and more. Before I officially sign off, ladies and gentlemen, please be on the lookout for the next episode this week. In fact, we'll have multiple coming up this week, and that includes my conversation with the one and only Dan Savette. A great feel-good story in baseball, out of baseball, back into baseball again, all at the major league level. You don't want to miss out on that and more coming up this week. Also, get to talk with Zach Mackey, the voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball, about their start and uh, where they could be going in this early season. So please stick around for more episodes later this week. For now, as they say in the showbiz world, until next time, stay frosty. 